So this morning, we are going to be picking up, uh, last week we had a special worship service, right? We kicked off our fast with, and so we're going to pick up on part two of, of Give Us This Mountain that we started two weeks prior, and so really our fast and this message go hand in hand, right? We, we kicked this thing off and we, we identified seven key uh, areas of our culture, not just our culture, of our world, seven key mountains that we're calling them that we are, we are praying that we are believing, that we are fasting for, right, to bring about change. Uh, because do you all know we are in some, ooh, some crazy, unprecedented times right now that we find ourselves in, even the church, uh, but the world and, and our nation. Uh, the enemy is really trying to pervert justice and truth and anything good. He's trying to pervert anything good. And so this is why we're, why we're doing what we're doing. I'm really excited to pick this message up off where we left it two weeks ago. There's kind of a lot of information in here, but I know y'all are really smart. You can handle it. You can handle it, amen. So that's, uh, we'll, we'll stay true to form. We'll hit a couple recap points that we had from part one. Uh, but let's look at that foundational scripture. We're going to give you all the Reader's Digest uh, version this morning. We, we, we give you the whole scripture that we gave you at week one there. But Joshua 14, 12. Okay, this is really where we get the, um, the theme and the promise, really the prophetic the prophetic promise of this message comes from the scripture. It says, now therefore, give me this mountain. Let's say that together. Give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. You heard in that day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. So this is Caleb speaking to Joshua. Y'all remember the 12 spies that Moses sent into the promised land? Right? He sent 12 spies, one from each tribe, uh, and Joshua and Caleb were the only two spies that came back right, with, 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 with positivity and with a good report and with, with faith and expectation that said, you know what, we can take the land. And so on that day, Moses gave uh, Caleb a promise from God. He said, one day that land will be yours. And so now we find Caleb about 75, 80 years later, and the promise is being fulfilled. Y'all, Caleb had a promise. Do you know, if, if you have a promise from God, it's enough. Now, it may, it may not happen tomorrow. It may not happen next week. It may not happen next year. But I know God. He said it. And I know who my father is. And when he promises something, he's not a liar. Amen. And so Caleb, he had a promise that this mountain that was spoken that would be his one day would. And now he's stepping into that promise. And so I want to look at that next point, the seven mountains. Do y'all believe that we have a promise from God that I believe our nation is favored? We have an anoint, a special anointing on this nation. Why? Because it was founded on Christian principles and beliefs. Now, it's, it's kind of wandered and went wayward, but I believe the promise of God is that if we could reclaim these seven key mountains, these seven key areas uh, for his namesake, for his glory, Y'all, that we could step back into the blessing of God for our nation. And so these are, these are the seven mountains of influence that we gave you. And I want to go ahead and give credit where credit's due. Um, these seven mountains, it's kind of a cool story, were actually uh, came about from a, a pastor named Bill Bright and another pastor named Lauren Cunningham. They were both pastors doing their own thing in several parts of the country. But the Lord gave each of those pastors the same vision. The Lord gave each of those separate pastors the same seven mountains that they believed 
for the key mountains of influence to take back the nation. This was back in the 70s. Well, eventually these two pastors somehow met and got together and they began to share what the Lord was doing and they began to share each of their vision and they both found out that their vision was the same, the exact same. That's pretty cool. (laughs) So I believe these seven key mountains aren't just key mountains, that they're holy mountains. That God said if we could... If we could keep Jesus, keep God in these seven mountains, if we could be the atmosphere and the the climate for these seven mountains, that the blessing of God will happen. Amen. And so I just want to give give credit where credit's due. Liberty Church didn't come up with these seven mountains. It's it's bigger than us. We are just using this material to to help us fast and pray and believe. Amen. So these are the seven mountains that I hope, and and, uh, I hope you all still have them sheets that we gave you last week. Uh, with the seven mountains on them, have you, anybody been using them? You've been praying over them and looking at them each week? Uh, I shared last week that I, I'm just focusing on one mountain a day. There's seven mountains and there's seven days of the week, right? So I just I focus on one mountain a day. Uh, but, so I hope you all are, are, you have those mountains and are using them each day. But here they are. Um, you all probably already know what they are. But it's religion, family, education, government, media and arts, and entertainment, uh, and business. Right, so these are the seven key mountains. Are these are these pretty important things? If we could get if we could get Jesus back into these seven things, could some things happen? Could some shifts begin to take place in our nation? But what's the problem? They're trying to kick God out of each and every one of these things, right? Step by step by step by step. And so, do we need Jesus uh, within the church? Yes, we do. But what does the enemy try to do in religion, that mountain of religion? He tries to divide the churches on what they don't agree on. That's why we have 25, 20, however many denominations that we have. As the church, we need to be unified. I'm talking Catholic church, Methodist church, Baptist church, intra-non-denominational church. Did you know that's what Liberty Church is? Intra-non-denominational church. And find out the things that we agree on so that we can be unified so that we could take back that mountain, which is the church, the bride of Christ, uh, for his glory. The family. Y'all better know that the family is under attack. The core family principles is under attack. There is an agenda uh, to, 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 to break that, that something sacred up. You know, your, your family is your first ministry. Your family is your first ministry. Before you become a worship leader or a pastor, you need to shepherd your family. Uh, and so we need to invite Jesus back to our dinner tables. Invite Jesus to the breakfast table. Invite Jesus into our living rooms and shut the TVs off. Get disconnected from, from Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And uh, Pretty sure TikTok is dead now. Uh, you can thank President Trump for that. It's one less distraction you have to worry about. TikTok is, is gone, I believe. <laughs> So we need to invite uh, God back into our family. The education system, whether you are homeschooled or, or you go to public school, uh, we need God, right? <laughs> we need God. In, you know, I didn't grow up uh, here in Alabama in the Bible Belt. Y'all, we, we are blessed to live in the region that we live in because I grew up in, uh, and went to public school uh, in a place called Grant, Michigan. It's a country. It's a great uh, uh, rural area, but it was a big school. But you know what? If you were a Christian, man, you got made fun of. You know what? And I was one of those people that made fun of Christians. And now I'm a pastor. How crazy is that? 
But I just share that to say, y'all, we are blessed. Jesus hasn't been totally kicked out yet. You know, but where I come from, it was, it, you know, if you were going to say you lived for Jesus, you, you, it was going to be tough. Persecution uh, is coming, is here, and if we're not careful and we don't stay on our face and, and see how blessed that we are and protect the freedoms that we have, it can get tougher. It can. And so that's why we're praying fast and believing for these seven mountains. I, I don't want to get into government. <laughs> Do we need God in our government? Yes. Uh, I could go on the rest of the morning uh, because I get pretty passionate about what's going on in our government. Amen. So let's look at that next point. So we said there's two ways that we can take the mountain, right? One, one, one way is um, to simply climb it. We'll talk about that here in a moment. The next way, though, is we have to create or recreate a new climate, a new atmosphere within these bubbles, within these seven key uh, levels of influence, and uh, a, really a spiritual atmosphere that's conducive, right, to, to the kingdom of God, right, so that the kingdom of God can advance. And we do that through righteousness, peace, and joy. How do we do those things? By being led by the Holy Spirit, right? Do you know you need the Holy Spirit in your life <laughs> to do the things that God is calling us to do? We can only do it by him, through him. Uh, and the, the cool thing is the climate determines the crops and the culture of our mountains. Why are some of these mountains so uh, uh, disrupted? Why are they so corrupted? That's what I was trying to say. Why, why are some of them so uh, filthy and uh, covered in sin and stained in sin? And, and, and It's because of the atmosphere and the climate. Do you know the atmosphere and the climate control the types of crops that grow. Right? Think of Alabama. We can grow certain crops because of the type of climate that we have, right? You can grow other things in Iowa, Idaho that you can't grow here in Alabama because of the climate and the atmosphere. So if we want to claim, reclaim these mountains, right, we need to change the atmosphere, change the climate. And when we do that, we can change the types of fruit that will, be, that will um, become bared, that, that will come forth. See, what's happened is they've just sowed, they just, these mountains have sowed lies and manipulation and deceit and, and, and sin and, and, and a perverse type of justice. And, and it goes on and on. And it's a cycle, right? If you sow these things, we reap what we sow. So if we sow these things, these are the types of crops. They have bad fruit. And so we can change the crops by changing the atmosphere. How do we change the atmosphere? I have to be led by the Holy Spirit. Do you know that you have a bubble, a bubble of life? Whatever your bubble looks like, you can control the climate atmosphere of your bubble. You know, God calls you to do that, right? Uh, uh, there may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the, right? That's what David said, right? What was he doing? He was controlling the climate of his bubble. He said, even though I feel this way, it's not going to be this way. I choose joy. And so we have to do that on a daily basis. Uh, for our personal lives, and as we are trying to climb and scale some of these mountains to reclaim them for His glory. Amen? That next point. And so another way that we, we, we do this is through prayer, worship, and the Word of God. I call it the trifecta. Prayer, worship, and the Word of God. When these three things work together, amazing things can happen. We can change the climate, control the crops, and create the culture of the kingdom of God on every mountain. And there's no other way that we can do it other than through prayer, the word, and worship. 
What did we do last week, right? Those are the exact things that we did last week and even Wednesday night at our night of worship. Those are the three things. We pray, we worship, uh, and we use the word of God, right, to remind us. Caleb had a promise, right? You got to know that you have all sorts of promises in here. But if you don't read this, you don't know how many promises you have. You want to know the promises of God, you got to get in this. You got to read it. Because if you read it, then you'll know it. Amen? And so that's how we can uh, change and create, recreate the climate and atmosphere uh, that, that, that we have in our lives. James 5.16b. <clears throat> it says, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power. Somebody say great power. Great power. Amen. It has great power and produces wonderful results. The, the earnest prayer of a righteous, a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results results. Y'all, I consider you this morning in the sanctuary as a righteous people. You are here on purpose. You are here so that you hopefully uh, can meet with God, right? And, and get to know God better today and, and get to grow personally and spiritually today. And so know that your prayers, God hears your prayers. When you pray, know that God hears you. See, what does the devil want to do? What does the enemy want to do? Well, he tries to come in, and, and, you, and you're praying, and you, know, and you say things, and you think things like, you know, I just, man, this is a lot that we're praying and believing for. I don't really know if my prayer uh, has the power, the ability to do anything. I don't feel, right? I don't feel any different. Y'all better hear me. When you have that thought, I don't feel any different, that is a lie from the devil. You better stomp him in the head when you hear that thought. When you hear yourself say that, because you know what, God, it's, it's amazing to feel the presence of God. Don't, don't miscommunicate uh, what I'm trying to say. It, there's nothing better uh, than feeling his presence. But you know what, there's a lot of times when you're doing what God is calling you to do and you don't feel his presence. And so don't let that stop you from praying, from fasting, from giving, from serving, from doing, from reading his word, for believing, for expecting. Right? Just because I don't feel, you got to know. you got to believe, amen, that he's still working. Am I speaking to anybody? There's been times the last three, four, five months, it's like one thing after another, right? It started with the virus, then it started with the riots, then it started with, and it's just gone on and on. It's, you know, there's been moments where I, I can't feel God. I'm like, God, where are you? I get in my car and I get on a rant. I'm praying, I'm prophesying, I'm declaring, you know, but I don't feel him, but I still know and believe that he can. Amen? Use that as passion to feel what God wants to do in and through you. That next point. The second way is simply just to climb it. Somebody say, just to climb it. Just to climb it. The second way, you know, we got to get our skin in the game. We got to get invested. We got to make a choice that I'm going to serve Jesus. Uh, and the second way is simply just to ascend these mountains, to begin to start, start doing your research. How can I get involved? What can I do to make a change, right? And this happens personally. Uh, the higher someone ascends the mountain, the more influence they have upon that mountain, right? The, the higher, the more that you, you get involved and the higher up that you go, you know, uh, the more influence that you're going to have. And so that's why we need to do this together because if we all work our way up together, the higher up we go, the more influence that we have, the, the easier it is to, to, excuse me, take back that mountain, 
This is why there is no such thing as sacred or secular work for the Christian. If you're born again, everything is sacred, significant, and spiritual. And so does anybody believe in Jesus? I think most of us do. If you don't, I promise you there'll be a moment for you today to give your life to Jesus. I promise you there will be. Uh, but it, I think most of us do. So we, if we believe in Jesus, who, we, who the Son of God, the mighty Savior, the Redeemer, uh, the perfect spotless Lamb, then that means there's some, some real amazing things uh, that are promised to us. And that means that nothing anymore is just secular. Nothing anymore is just blah. Nothing anymore is, eh, I don't got to give my best. Right? Because we see how blessed we are. Right? Am I alone in this? Do we forget sometimes? Yes, forgive us, Lord. But we need to be sensitized. And when we are, we see that everything is actually sacred. Everything that we do, every choice that you make has the opportunity to impact the kingdom of God for good or for bad. Everything that we do, everything that you say and even everything that you don't say has the ability, has a, has the ability to cause a ripple effect, right? Ripple effect onto your generation, to your kids, to their kids. One word, one word, one action, one, one act of love. Could, could set off a ripple effect, and you never know what it is. And hear me, it could be one negative word. You know what, you're sitting there, you could probably think back to, to one negative word that was spoken over you when you were four, five, six, and that word, you could still hear it, know who said it to you, and you might still be dealing with it today. So if that's very important, how much more important is it that we say things, good things, things in love, uh, doing good things for the kingdom of God because everything is spiritual. Everything is significant. Uh, let's read Colossians 3.17. It says, And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative, there it is, for the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him and God the Father. So if you are a believer, if you raised your hand when I asked you, uh, or if you're at work or you're at school and you tell the people that you're around that you believe in Jesus, what did you just do? You just put a bullseye on your back, right? They're going to say, okay, he says he believes in Jesus. I'm going to watch him or her because I'm going to see if they're a hypocrite or not, right? Do they really believe it enough to live, live it out? That's what happens. And we have to know that when we do that, when we make that declaration, when we say that, when we communicate that, con convey that to other people out there, that everything that we do, we do it as a representative, as an ambassador for Christ. So not only is it just no longer your reputation, does anybody try to keep their reputation, you know, like intact? When you, when you accept Jesus, it's no longer your reputation anymore. You take on the reputation of Jesus. And, and when you do something that you're not supposed to, that you know you're not supposed to do, you don't just tarnish your reputation, you tarnish Jesus. And so everything that we do, we have to see is, is valuable. It has the power to bring about change. That next point. So we have to recognize, uh, as we're trying to bring about change, as we're praying, fasting, believing for these seven key mountains, uh, and this is really where uh, I want to kind of pivot this message for today, uh, to help us identify which mountain or mountains that we're, God is calling us to, because the that point, it says we have to recognize that we are connected to every mountain, okay? 
We are connected to every mountain, but we may not ascend every mountain, but we have influence on every mountain. What do I mean by that? Every one of us is connected to these seven mountains in some way, shape, form, or fashion. But I don't believe God is calling every one of us to climb every seven of one of these mountains. See, because we all have different gifts. We all have different talents. We all have different callings, right? And so when, when you're praying for the mountain of government, you may not get fired up and as passionate as I do because your gifts are, are different and your talents are different. You may be, uh, get more excited and fired up about like the arts and media or entertainment mountain because you have a level of influence. That types of things uh, fire you up and stir you up on the inside. But hear me, just because... We're not all called to climb the, the seven same mountains. One of us may climb one or two or be called to claim three or four. Uh, doesn't mean that we all don't have the same responsibility to pray and believe and stand in the gap for every mountain. Does that make sense? We all have the responsibility to pray and believe for all seven mountains, but not all of us are called to climb the same mountain. And so that's really what I want to, for you to have some personal, uh, intimate time with God this, the rest of this morning and the rest of this week to, to ask Him in prayer and find out which, of the, which, which mountain or key mountains is God calling you to, to get some skin in the game, to get in the game and to begin to, to, to take it back, to climb it, to climb it for His glory. Amen? That next point. So our daily decisions uh, influence every mountain. Uh, we are advancing the kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness with every decision that we make. And so our decisions are key. Not just key, they are vital. Uh, and your decisions are just that. It's either going to advance good or it's going to advance evil. Uh, even your indecisions, I think I already said that. If you don't, you choose not to choose, you're making a choice. And it's really, we have to know this to be true, that it's, it's not our intentions that bring about change. It's your decisions. And I feel like that's where a lot of believers uh, kind of drop the ball a little bit. We struggle. See, we have good intentions, but we, we don't ever decide to, to, to make that step to do anything about it. See, the world ain't going to change with your good intentions. We need to be uh, conscious and have that, that, that conscious effort to say, you know what? God's done a real work in my life. I believe uh, that we need to take our nation back. Uh, for, for, for him so that I have a nation to pass my kids and their kids. Uh, and I believe it enough that, you know what, even though climbing this mountain may be tough, it may look hard, uh, you know what, but I'm not going to let it stop me. So you know what, has anyone ever climbed a mountain before? I can't say that I have. But picture yourself, when you're standing looking at a mountain, it's pretty, it could be pretty intimidating, right? <laughs> Some of these mountains may seem intimidating. And we're standing there thinking, we're going to take this back for his glory? Y'all, we can. 
We can if we do it together. If we do it together, we can. Uh, and you know what, what's cool about when we do it together? See, climbing a mountain by yourself would be pretty daunting. You might be, uh, do pretty good for a while, but you're going to hit an area. There's going to be a season where you're going to want to give up. And if you're by yourself, you probably will. But you know, if you've got somebody next to you cheering you on, what's going to happen? When you're climbing together, we can motivate each other, right? If you're by yourself, motivation might be hard to find. Jesus is enough. You know what? But I already said, sometimes you don't feel them, right? <laughs> and you talk yourself right out of your motivation to keep going, to keep climbing, to keep doing, to keep charging, keep ministering, keep doing the next right thing. And so we got to do this together. Amen? And so we got to see that it's our decisions, not our intentions, that determine whether the kingdom of God is going to advance, whether or not we're going to experience victory. So uh, how do we... How do we ascend uh, these mountains other than simply just, just climbing or other than changing the climate? Uh, so we have to identify some other things. So our, we have to identify that our mountain or mountains through our gifts, calling, uh, and passions. So this is really where I want you to have some alone time. Uh, maybe the rest of today when you get home or in your quiet time tomorrow morning and the rest of the week as we're fasting and praying. We simply just, we have to ask them. God, what, what am I good at? What are my talents? What are my gifts? What's my calling? What have you placed inside of me that you haven't placed inside anybody else? Because when we can answer that question, uh, what my gifts, what my talents, what my calling is, then it can help steer me to the right mountain. It can help, it can help guide my mind and help uh, re-guide my focus. See, because when, when you can focus your passion, y'all, amazing things can happen. And so we have to be um, not just motivated by his passion, the passion of Christ, but by his passion, then I find out what I'm passionate about, and I'm passionate about it because he gave it to me. Now I'm just doing what I love, and it's not work. <laughs> Does anybody have a job that you love? Amen. I love my job. I get to kill bugs and preach the gospel. Uh, you know what? And I never would have thought I had a job that I love. I've never, since I've had this job, four or five years, four years I think now, I've never woken up and not wanted to go to work. I've had plenty of jobs. When that alarm went off, I'm like, oh, oh Lord, help me. Right? I do not want to go to work today. I've had plenty of jobs like that. If that's your prayer, God give you a job that you love, I come in agreement with you right now in Jesus' name. Uh, but something happens when you do what you love, right? There's no work involved. I, I preached the gospel for free. I did. I do. <laughs> because you, you'll do what you love. And, and so if we, could, if we could harness that and help the Lord guide us to, to focus on um, the things that I love, then, then I, can, I can focus on one mountain or, or two mountains. Because, like I said, we're, we're not all called to climb the same mountains. Uh, but we're, we all have a responsibility of, the same, of, of, of all the mountains, right? See, because... That's, that's what's going to change it for us, uh, it, when you can actually uh, begin to do the thing that you love to be able to have that motivation to, to, to climb those mountains for him. Amen? Uh, let's look, read 2 Timothy 1, um, 1 through 9. Or, I'm sorry, uh, chapter 1, verse 9. It says, He hath saved us and called us 
uh, with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So God has given us holy uh, gifts, holy callings that are without repentance. Uh, You have gifts and talents and anointing that is inside of you that only you have. Uh, You can minister to your family, that mountain of family. Uh, That's one mountain that we all share, by the way. (laughs) We all have a level of influence on the mountain of family. And so you have a special way to minister and reach your family that only you can. Uh, But so, and it says God gave those to us before the world even began. He knew what he was going to give you, that he was going to deposit inside of you uh, for you to use uh, for his namesake. And I love this, Romans eleven twenty nine. 29. It says, for the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Does anybody know what that means? You can't take it back. <laughs> so if he's already given it to you before the world was even formed, he can't even take it back. Some of your gifts and callings and talents and dreams may be just lying dormant in your life, just waiting for you to call them forth. Just as Jesus called Lazarus forth, right? Lazarus, come out. He was dead, and then now he was alive. Some of our gifts and talents and dreams are dead, and you just by faith have to speak life. And some things can begin to happen. The next point. So your gifts. We got, really, this next couple points are just a couple questions uh, that you all can jot down. I want you to answer them. Uh, and when we answer them, it can, help, it can help guide us, okay? It can help focus us. And so your gifts, what are you good at? Uh, what do people say you are gifted at? And so, let me stop there for a second. Some of you may already kind of have an idea. Uh, you may kind of already know what you're good at. Um, some things that uh, God's placed inside of you. But I want to challenge you this week to, to ask somebody somebody that you trust, somebody that you love, a family member, or a close friend, to ask them this question. Just simply, what am I good at? What do people say I'm good at? What are some things that I'm gifted at? Because, you know, we do have blind spots. And maybe I'm not as good as I think I am. Maybe I am, but maybe I'm not. You know what? And, and you know what? You might just get your, your socks blessed off. Because you all know, if you're like me, I'm kind of my own worst critic. When I critique myself, when I'm doing things in my gifting, I always think I could have done better, uh, beat myself up a little bit. And so if you're like me, which I'm guessing you probably are, um, we probably do the same things. And so when you ask somebody and then they tell you, man, it's going to feel good. It's going to feel good for you to hear what they have to say. And you might even be blown away by what they say. You know what, and I really want to challenge you to ask somebody close to you because, you know, for some reason, we don't do this. And I don't know why we don't do this. Why don't we just simply ask, hey, what am I good at? You know, and I don't know why, why we do that. Maybe it's the enemy trying to keep us from stepping into that promise or that blessing that we're going to receive from somebody for telling us something like that because something happens when you hear those good things spoken to you. You begin to, to rise up, right, and have a confidence and a boldness. Uh, and the enemy definitely does not want that to happen inside of you, right? Because if that happens inside of you, you're actually going to start living out your faith. 
uh, and then that's a problem to the enemy. So I want you to ask somebody this week. The next two questions. Uh, <clears throat> your calling. What do you feel compelled to do? What do you feel drawn to? And what makes you mad, sad, and glad? Uh, Pastor Keith uses that uh, a lot. You know, as we minister and counsel people, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know what, it's, it's normal not to know uh, what your next step is or to know what God's calling you to do. That's normal. Most people have that question. And so they come and they ask Pastor Keith or ask me, and I don't know my next step. And so this is a, this is a thing that we use to help kind of guide them because it's an indicator of your passions. What makes, excuse me, what makes you sad? What makes you angry, mad? What makes you glad? Those things indicate your passions. If something really makes you mad, uh, you'll have passion to do something about it. If something makes you really happy, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to inspire you to, to keep doing those things, right? Uh, the second question, your, your passion, um, what gets you up early and what keeps you up at night? Uh, what pushes you to go the extra mile? What's robbing you of your sleep? What types of thoughts? What things are you thinking about? Those things are indicators. That's something that you're invested in. That's something that you care about. You know, if it's your family that you're always losing sleep over, how am I going to get the bills paid? Or, or what's our next step for our family? That means that you love and care about your family. That's a good thing. And so, I mean, that's, that's an indicator that you are, are drawn probably to the mountain of family, right? You're, you're called to climb, continue climbing that mountain of family. And so, uh, you know, as we, as we ask these questions, it's only going to help lead us and guide us and help us pin down really where, where my next step is, where God's wanting me to go. Uh, so these are really all indicators, right, of what interests you, or what interests us. And so s some of mine, you know, the, the family, uh, you know, my family, I love my family. They make me so happy. They give, they give me so much joy. I want to I wanna love on them. I want to provide for them. I want to be the best dad and the best husband all that I can for my family, even my extended family, for my in-laws. I want to be the best son-in-law, uh, the, best, the best uncle, the best brother, whatever it is, because they make me happy. Uh, it, it inspires me. And so I know that I'm called to continue to climb that mountain of family, right? Uh, the church. Uh, the church is really why I do what I do. I love our church. Y'all, we've come so far in a year and a half. Y'all, give yourselves a hand. Uh, we couldn't have done it without all of you. Uh, you know what? But we have not hit our peak. We haven't hit our pinnacle. We have a long way to go, and that excites me. Uh, meeting new people every week and, and seeing the church grow and uh, seeing people saved and set free. Man, that's what excites me. That's what makes me happy. And it makes me sad when I see uh, people uh, in a family that they don't have it good. They have a tough childhood, and they're, they don't know whether when they go home if mom and dad's going to be drunk or, or passed out or if they're going to be in a good mood today or a bad mood today. That's what makes me sad, and that's what breaks my heart, and that's, that's why I do what I do, to do what Ian can to make a difference. What, what can Ian do to make a difference to a hurting, broken family uh, in, in the core family or even somebody who needs to come to church? And so it, it fires me up. And it, the, the other one that the Lord showed me, the third mountain, is really the mountain of government. Y'all, I get so passionate about <laughs> what is going on in our government. I, I'll be cruising down the road just listening to what's going on, and I just start praying and declaring and, 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 and getting passionate and 
because it, it, it moves me. It's what I'm passionate about. God put that in me. And so those, I just share that to, to help kind of help you. Um, those are the three mountains that the Lord really showed me that I need to be invested in. I need to be physically climbing, doing my research, doing what I can to, make, to raise the level of influence that I have on those three mountains. Amen? That next point. So here's the cool thing. When we, when we find all these things, when we find the answer uh, and place these three things, they line up, we have found our mountain. You found your mountain and mountains, and now you can know how to pray. You can know how to uh, serve. You know maybe the right, the right person to get connected with to help you. Help, hopefully it's somebody that's climbing the same mountains, doing the same things. That way you can do it together. Uh, amen. And the cool thing is, like I said, when you're doing what you love, you'll, you'll stay in the game. You'll have that supernatural energy. You'll have that supernatural faith and belief and expectation because you're doing what you love. The next point, you got to know that if, if there's a promise from God, it's irrevocable. His gifts are without repentance. Uh, you got to know that uh, that devil, uh, the enemy, Satan, hates that, not just about God, but hates that about you. And he is going to do whatever he can to keep you on the sidelines, to keep you not engaged in living out your faith, keep you in a place of, of fear, anxiety, of, of doubt. Do I really have these things? Can I really make a change? Yeah, I could, but it's going to be so hard. And it, just anything to keep you stuck, to stay in put, to not doing anything. Because Satan tries to deceive us into depressing, uh, despising, I'm sorry, our gifts, confusing our calling, and perverting our passion. That's exactly what he wants to do. He wants to, to dis, us to despise our gifts, uh, have any kind of confusion about our calling, and pervert our passions into doing other things. If you want to add an extra little uh, nugget that the enemy tries to do, that Satan tries to do, uh, he tries to get us to compare our gifts and our callings to others. And that'll keep me stuck on the sidelines too because so-and-so has all the awesome, amazing gifts. Oh, they seem like they just have so much love and so, so much grace and so much joy. And I just, I'm different. I have other things. And, and then I actually, uh, I, I judge my, my, my brother and my sister from afar because of the things that they have. That, you know what? That I think that they have. <laughs> I don't even know that they have them. See, I just have my perspective. I don't really know what they're going through. They portray their life that way, and I struggle because of my own perception. <laughs> and they're probably struggling comparing themselves to other people. And it's how the enemy works. He wants you to be confused about your gifts. He wants you to despise your gifts. And that's how he gets you to despise your gifts when you compare your gifts to other people's gifts. Y'all, and I've done that. Uh, I still struggle with that sometimes. Uh, we do that within the church even. You know, and we don't do it on purpose. Uh, but it's just how the enemy works. That's why I'm sharing this. Because as long as he can keep you uh, disconnected, angry, jealous, uh, disrupted, then, then, then he's winning. Right? And you're not, we're not doing anything uh, for, for his sake or for his glory or nothing's changing because we're just stuck in an uh, old pity party, right? <laughs> oh, woe is me. And that's exactly what he wants. And so he's the author of lies, right? The devil, he is the author of lies. He, he hates you. He hates your gifts. He hates your family. 
He wants you to have a terrible life here on earth, and then he wants you to have a terrible eternity, a forever. Uh, and that's why we need, we need a Savior, right? Because there's a place called heaven and a place called hell. Uh, and so, but, he, but he hates that about you. He hates your calling, and he hates any good passion that God has given you. He knows if he can derail you, he can disrupt the plan of God. I'll say that again. He knows if he can derail you, he can disrupt the plan of God. That's exactly why he's putting up a fight. John 10, 10. It says, the thief comes not to kill, I'm sorry, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy, right? But Jesus, he says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. This is how I, this is kind of my measuring stick, how I decipher if, if it's from God or if it's from, from, from the devil. Uh, if it's coming against me, if it's, if, it's, if it's being robbed for me, if it's being stolen for me, if it's being killed for me, that means I'm probably doing something that's threatening to the enemy. But hear me, if I heard God say something, say yes or say no, and I still did it anyway, and something is killed, stolen, and robbed for me, did God do that? No, I did that to myself. And the enemy's cool with that too. <laughs> if you can sidetrack yourself by not obeying what God has said, uh, and then still get mad and blame God, <laughs> then the enemy really has you confused. See, but God, he, he, he doesn't do those things. He loves and cares about the ones that he loves and cares about. Amen? And so that's what the enemy is trying to do. He's trying to disrupt us, to kill, steal, and destroy anything that he can, and that's especially if he can get you not to step into your gifts, talents, calling, uh, and purpose for your life. Romans 13, 11, 36 it says, for everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever and ever and ever. Amen. Everything exists by him, from him, through him, for him. That is Jesus Christ, God the Father and the Holy Spirit. Everything exists. Everything is holy because of him. And we can use anything for his good. If we can use anything for his good, the enemy can use anything for his deception. And so he wants to pervert any good thing that he can. Sometimes we just have to redeem the things that God has already given us to step into it, to reclaim it, and to step back into it. And the cool thing is God's gifts and his plan, like I said, are without repentance. And you better believe they are for his good. They are for his good. That last point. So too many believers, uh, too many Christians, too many churches out there right now are just wandering and wondering around these seven mountains, wandering and wandering around these seven mountains instead of climbing them. We have to stop wandering and stop wandering and start climbing right where we are. I know some of them may seem daunting. I hope the Holy Spirit's going to pinpoint. I know there's at least one mountain that we're all called to. That's family. Uh, but So we'll, we'll have at least one mountain and, and maybe more as he shows us that we, you know what, that we see the, the gifts and talents that we have. You know what? I can make a difference. My prayers, God hears my prayers. And I can, I can start climbing. I can do my part. And, and to find somebody to climb with me, somebody who will be passionate about it with me, and we can motivate each other when one's feeling weary, right? And so, uh, you know, I just, and I want you to know, Liberty Church, we are here to help you, to help you do those things. Get connected, to help equip you into your calling, really and to help launch you and identify uh, those good things uh, that are in your life and to help you navigate and, and pinpoint 
what your next step is, and what God wants you to do. That's what we are here for. Uh, so if you need any, any advice, any counseling, come see me. I will pray for you. I will uh, do whatever I can for you to help you get connected. Amen. Get connected into the church, the uh, healthy lifeblood and breathing church that is uh, going to do something for his good, right? And the cool thing is we get to do this together. I love doing doing my faith and, and doing outreaches like we did yesterday together with the people that I love and care about uh, and seeing victory uh, in Jesus' name. There's nothing better. There's nothing sweeter. Uh, and I believe, I believe these next uh, couple months going up to the election, uh, it might there might be some smoke and mirrors, and there might be some chaotic things going on. You know what? But we have to stay connected. We have to stay believing, and we have to stay grounding, because I believe, I really believe uh, that there's some good coming. I really do, I, and I believe that's why we're praying and fasting right now, uh, because this literally could be the shift that puts it over, <laughs> over the hump, right? Amen? Amen. Uh, well, let's, uh, we get the lights dimmed down a little bit. I want Let's all just... Um, Let's go into prayer uh, and get into his presence here. Um, and I just want to pray over us and pray over you this morning. I'll be forward dismissed and, I'll, and also do an altar call. So, um, Lord, God, I just, um, God, I just uh, release hope. Uh, I release hope in this place. God, hope for our, our president and hope for our government and hope for our kids and grandkids. God, and hope for our police force. God, and hope for the lost. God, we need people that are lost to come awake. We don't need them to be woke, culturally woke. We need them to be alive in Christ in Jesus' name. God, so I declare hope for them, all those that are lost and hurting. I declare uh, peace and love in this place. God, that your peace and your love would reside in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives as believers. God, so that as we are climbing these mountains and identifying these mountains, God, that we see how valuable that we are, God, that we see that we can make an impact, that my level of influence can, can be grown by your name. And if I'm giving my best and doing it for you, God, that's all you ask me to do. And so we thank you for that. Right now, I want to take a, a moment. I, I promised earlier in the message that if, if you were here and you didn't have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, uh, we call it being born again. Uh, the, I promise you there will be a moment for you today, and that moment has come. It's right now. So if you're here this morning and uh, you want to you wanna make your life right with God, you want to get saved. You want to get born again. You want to literally just accept Jesus in your life. It's just simply saying, God, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he was perfect without sin, that he was crucified for my sins, that he lived and died so that I could live for free, uh, a free life here on earth, and that even afterwards that I could be promised eternal life in heaven with him. If that's you, right now is your moment. Everyone's praying. No one's looking at you. I want you just to stand up right now where you're at. This is your moment. If God's speaking to you right now, you've got to do something about it. You have to acknowledge that you hear what he's saying. Uh, he says, if you deny me before man, I would deny you before my Father in heaven. So right now, if he's speaking, I'll give you a few more seconds. You know, Even if, you've, if you did know Jesus as your Savior, maybe you've fallen away. And you just need restoration today. 
And that's you. Stand up. Now's your moment to stand up. Amen. There's people standing. Hallelujah. Heaven rejoices. Heaven rejoices that somebody came home today. By simply standing up, you're saying, I'm going to live for you, Jesus, the rest of my days. From today forward, I'm living for you. I want to lead us in a prayer. I want everybody to repeat after me. Heavenly Father, God, we trust you with our lives. God, we believe you're the Son of God. And we're thankful. God, we need you. And we love you. And we trust you more. Holy Spirit, lead my life from this day to the end of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.